On this episode of Thinking Well. Especially in the United States, we have had the privilege of the prevailing culture generally supporting our Christian way of living, essentially, for for a very, very long time. And so we've had the kind of benefit, but not really benefit we're seeing, (laughs) of riding the fence and kind of having a foot in one place and a foot in the church. And I think one of the reasons we're seeing deconstruction is because we're seeing culture deviate from this kind of Judeo-Christian worldview in the United States. And people are having to pick a side, kind of. And they're having to reconcile their their beliefs with, yeah, but this seems right. And I still want this, this, and this because I'm accustomed to being able to live with a foot in both places. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Well. I'm Dan, joined by my good friends, Renee. Hi. Rachel. Hello. And Jordan. Hey, Dan. How's it going? I'm doing good. 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 Everyone doing good? So far. It's a beautiful day outside, and we're inside. Finally. Recording this here podcast. That's probably what's making me smile, the nice weather. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing it through a window, and it looks nice. He doesn't like (laughs) the outdoors, so he's fine with this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is fine. The rest of us would like to wrap this up and get outside. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What about the rest of you? What made you smile this week? Um, Audrey is turning four in about a week, and she wanted to go shopping for her birthday. So I brought her shopping, and she just went crazy over the clothes. And that made me mm-hmm. smile because she is like a total tomboy, but also a total girly girl. So it's it's just the best of both worlds. That made me smile. She was very excited. I would have to say we had some pretty great storms, some spring storms, and I enjoyed just the beauty of that rolling in and getting to sit outside with my kids and watch the storm roll in. Yeah, definitely. We, we too, we, uh, you know, we have big windows in our living room and just watching the storm roll in. Like a lot of days this week was really cool. I did not have that experience. No, nope, same. I oh. drove into a tornado oh. looking weather and my dad is like, get home quick. And yeah. he's like, oh, I didn't mean to get home like right now. Just like, I was like, okay, your text said get home quick. And I was freaking out and I had my daughter in the back of the car. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did not make you smile. That did not make me smile. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. think the storms make people smile as much as they say they do. That's just a theory. We can do that on another podcast anyway. Yes. <laughs> Are you saying we're not being authentic? Not you guys. Oh, oh, gotcha. Everybody else who's not here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about deconstruction. And depending on what circles you move in or who you follow on social media, um, it's kind of a hot topic and a big deal. Um, but I realize for some people, you may hear that term deconstruction and you may not know what we're talking about. And I actually brought this up with my wife. I said, hey, we're doing a podcast episode on deconstruction today. What do you think of when you hear that word? And she said, deconstructing what? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> KFC for the new highway, that's yeah. what we're deconstructing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um, I think we're going to get into the debate around what deconstruction actually means. But I think from like a 30,000-foot level, I just want to define it like this. Um, When we're talking about deconstruction, uh, what we are talking about is the process by which Christians reevaluate certain beliefs or even all of their beliefs. And that can go down a lot of different roads and there's a lot of different reasons and we're going to get into all of that today. And I also just want to add this disclaimer from the start that this is just a podcast and we're just having a, a discussion, right? And I hope it's a helpful one, but I realize this topic is very personal to a lot of people, especially if you do consider yourself as someone who's deconstructing. And so I just want to say from the start that we're not trying to pastor anybody through deconstruction. I think all of that needs to happen in relationship with someone you trust um, and someone you respect. And I would say that that's just advice you should consider in any kind of podcast or book that you read. Um, or Instagram profile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's drill down a little deeper and 
talk about deconstruction and what that means and the different definitions that people have for that today? Yeah, I think people have a whole bunch of different definitions of what deconstruction means. So there's like deconstruction, deconversion, detangling, reconstruction, reforming. So, I mean, (laughs) what do those all mean different things? Do they mean the same thing? I think they mean, it's obvious they mean different things. Um, I, I guess what I'm seeing right now at the moment, and maybe this is just more on social social media, and maybe it's just a few people that I follow, but I see some people try to say, this is what deconstruction means, and this is what it doesn't. like. And especially some pastors who, who are probably rightly concerned about like where the movement as a whole is heading but they'll kind of narrowly define it as something very destructive, Mm. something very negative, and these are people's motives for that. And I just, I don't think that's helpful. I do believe words can't mean everything. They have to mean something. But at the same time, if we're debating an issue, we need to understand someone's position on their own terms and not define that for them, define what someone else means before we get into an argument about that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, yeah, when I think deconstruction, that's that's basically what I think because all of the people that I have seen announce that they're deconstructing have just kind of bulldozed down everything and renounce Christ and go to, or not even renounce Christ, but be like, this is what Jesus looks like and this is the Jesus that I'm going to follow and it's not it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Right. So I have a very, like, I I definitely think that deconstruction is more like that in my mind. Right. I think it comes because those voices that are the most um, prominent in deconstruction, most of them have led to what we would call deconversion. Right. So they, they deconstructed their faith, which led them to then kind of renounce kind of biblical worldview and Christianity. And, um, and so then I think it's important to Dan's point that we recognize we need to be in relationship with people mm-hmm. and not just label something as, oh, you're doing what that famous person did or, you know, <laughs> yeah. right. they're, they're in a process. I would say, you know, even the word I would use is wrestling. Like right. I've had doctrinal yeah. points that I've had to wrestle through. Yeah, absolutely. And just because I'm bringing questions forward doesn't mean I'm deconstructing necessarily, but kind of I am. I'm I'm taking that piece apart and I'm looking at it against mm-hmm. the word and with Holy Spirit and but I think I think part of it again is it gets a, a big name um, because of a few people on social media and then the church widely comes out against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like people who are really wrestling with scriptures, like I don't think they're going to announce it on social media, right? <laughs> As right. you know what I mean. Like I yeah. think a lot of people are wrestling with it, um, either with internally yeah. or with people or. Everything. Yeah, I know. Maybe a few years ago, I probably would have identified with that term deconstructing. But looking back, like with some of these other words we brought up, maybe detangling might be a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, I don't know, like. I would say I definitely deconstructed my eschatology and my view of the end times, like this idea that we all just are just waiting to escape to heaven and yeah. we're just going to get raptured. Like God did a number of things on in, in my life on that view and like I would say replace that with something more healthy. So I would say, yeah, I deconstructed something that was there on a pop culture level of how we view the end times and then God reconstructed something more healthy in there. I think that's the key. I, uh, I think it was Nathan Finocchio when he was doing like a question and answer thing on Instagram whenever it was probably a year ago, maybe more, um, was kind of asked about deconstruction. And he basically said, and this is super vague quote, but this is the idea is that if you're deconstructing something. The idea is that you reconstruct it at the end. So you take down and take away what doesn't make sense and then you build it up into what does make sense. So, which makes sense because there's a lot of weird things that people believe yeah. that aren't necessarily sound doctrine and right. true and biblical. So yeah. get rid of that and kind of start over and make the good foundation stick, hopefully. Right. And I think that's like the good foundation needs to be on the Bible, not on what your favorite 
deconstruction preacher is saying, or, you know, it has to be based on the Bible, not on culture. Or the Left Behind book series. Or the Left Behind book series. <laughs> or your Instagram. We just lost a few favorite. listeners. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jenkins family. I think that's interesting, though, as it relates to, um, you know, deconstructing and talking about the foundation, because there's that scripture in the New Testament that talks about that each builder comes along and builds on the foundation and that that they must be careful what they're building. Mm. And I think what I'm seeing in in deconstruction, in a healthy way of deconstructing, which it's even hard to use that word when you're talking about a healthy way, but is is that it's stripping away anything that isn't properly built on the foundation, which is Christ. Mm. And so I think there is a biblical way to to go through that process or to look and go, oh, I'm not sure that we were careful about how we built yeah. on this, right. you know, as the church. And I think the church has gone through that numerous times. We call it reformation. Mm-hmm. You know, like Martin Luther was deconstructing, <laughs> essentially, yeah. but he reconstructed something. Yeah. And um, and so I think that we need to see the value in that. But But those are two very different things because we see people who deconstruct for the sake of demolition right. versus people who deconstruct for the sake of of really a purity in what we believe as the church. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who are deconstructing want to strip away an item entirely when really, like I've heard you say it, Renee, like put we really just need to put a different weight on it. Like this isn't as mm-hmm. important as we've made it to be or as I grew up thinking that it was. Um, it really should be down here. Okay, so what are some of the reasons that someone might deconstruct or walk away from the faith entirely? I would think poor teaching or poor theology, um, or maybe just not understanding what's being taught mm. or what's being um, spoken in a message or whatnot, and maybe taking that too much and running with it too much and putting too much weight on the wrong thing, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not allowed to ask questions, and so yeah. they think that they were lied to or that sort of thing. Yeah. I guess I would think a big thing that would lead to deconstruction is is not really having a relationship with God and, and having their connection to faith be walking along with God as opposed to, you know, their connection of faith is connected to everything they've been taught or, you know, what's kind of been fed Mm. to them. And so it's kind of a weak connection for them. Yeah. 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 I've thought about it in terms of like, we have a relationship with God and then we also have church culture, which is like another thing. It doesn't mean it's bad, but it's just like, we have all these things that we kind of do maybe that are like extra biblical. Yeah. And uh, we tangle those together. That's why I think the word detangling is helpful because we can get into all kinds of beliefs in church culture, charismatic culture, and even just the culture of your nation and how that plays out in your your faith. And so um, people who have a hard time separating those out might come to a conclusion that they just have to leave things altogether if they see something that's unhealthy that's really maybe just a product of culture so I don't know like materialism or um, like a big one right now is just nationalism or Christian nationalism a lot of people in in the deconstruction movement will say like some of this is super unhealthy and so I'm going to have to step away from Christianity as a whole because Mm. it's just not helpful or I don't, I don't believe in it. And so they've wed those two things together and, and it's hard for them to separate it out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing too is like when you have that weak relationship with God or it's more relationship with the church than with God, um, then when you go out into culture and you see things that you're like, is God really this, you know, and culture plays a big part like I've seen a lot of um, people who are deconstructing just think that God isn't as just as they want him to be. Like mm-hmm. he's not a good mm-hmm. judge, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and they almost like, no, he could be better at this or, or the churches, you know, saying that he's 
something else than he is. Um, so yeah, I think like they, they're just disappointed with who God is almost. Yeah. And like, I think you can become really offended, you know, with God or with the idea of God that's been presented to you because of things that you're seeing around you. Um, or, or even how people are behaving in that. I mean, I think offense is a really big part of deconstruction. There's, you become offended with the people or you become offended with, um, you know, just even your view of how God is showing up in, in a particular, um, teaching or, yeah, I, I'm not making any sense on that, but. No, that totally makes sense because I mean, there are some things like even here at our church that I'm like do we have to do that? You know, but, <laughs> but, but I have a strong relationship with the people here and I'm like, it's not the top thing. It's right. okay. Like I can work through this with them or ignore it because it really does not, it's not that big of a deal. Right. It doesn't affect you that much. You can just kind of, yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think when it comes to like offense or kind of along, along those lines for me, I think I can kind of see that as like, oh, just get tougher skin. Just deal mm-hmm. with it. You know, it's not a big deal. Just pony up or whatever. I was going to say something way worse. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen that. Maybe this is not what you're talking about. Um, another reason that people can deconstruct uh, is just church hurt. And maybe that's um, abusive or manipulative relationships oftentimes from like leadership and um i'm i'm fortunate that i've never like witnessed that or even experienced it myself um you hear stories of people that go through that and i don't know it's it's a little bit i'm conflicted on this because sometimes you hear stuff and you just don't know what to believe other times you're like yeah you need to just toughen up a bit and at the same time, I just, I never want to like minimize someone's experience, even if I do think it's maybe a little bit misplaced because it just, it never goes well. Like it never goes well in, in my marriage to say, you're just overreacting. You need to like get over it a bit. <laughs> or even with my kids, if I, if I try that one on them, it just, it just blows up in my face. So yeah, it really does. I, it's tough because like the, there may be some truth to that. But it just needs to be worked out on on a relational level. That's my opinion anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really depends all on relationship. Yeah, I think that's one thing probably that has led to this area of probably seeing it more is I think overall the church maybe has become less relational. And so even having these big leaders that are platform leaders or there's no real true relationship. And so if they make a mistake, if they, you know, if they say something that hurts you or you don't agree with, there's no place to like process that or work that out. And so, you know, not, not that I don't think there's a place for, um, you know, large churches or, you know, big names or, you know, whatever, but really, again, our walk with God and our faith walk is meant to be walked out in community. And so I think a little bit when we have this consumer Christianity, that is not relationship based, it's sort of product based, you know, mm-hmm. there's a bigger opportunity for deconstruction because there is no place to work out those things or to process yeah. those things and have those discussions. I feel like though in those instances I've yeah, you know, I think those bigger churches really try and be really intentional about having smaller groups where there is more connection and more, you know, relation and and so I think that's something that I was very kind of arm's length away, a part of a mega church, just briefly. But they always talked about how many groups they had. I'm like, my gosh, where do you get all these people? It's like, oh, yeah, this church is huge. There's probably like 50 right. people on staff. And so I think that's that's something that I, I don't want to say that they don't do, but I, I know a lot of are probably very intentional with to try and make that connection I think it's when you start kind of putting that connection off, like you said, is where you lose the relation of it and you lose kind of the the real impact of what is going on in that church and what needs to go on in that church too. 
So are you saying it's not as much about the churches aren't offering that? It's it's people aren't engaging it could necessarily be that. in the relational aspects of of that. There, I think there are a lot of people who want to just you know do the Sunday service in the morning and then that's it. And then they probably complain about everything though that happens during the service though. Yeah. You know, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be in leadership or they don't want to get involved or volunteer. There's definitely a good chunk of those people that exists or it's like there's nothing that'll make those people happy at a church in general, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think it's it's always the case, but I think there is the case of that happening. Hmm. Yeah. And again, that's lack of relationship. That's Right. And yeah. that's probably their own fault, though. You yeah. know, there's people who just want to be the naysayers all the time. I know Rachel's looking at me funny because I'm one of those perf- persons. <laughs> I tend to. S- I speak from I, experience. Right, I tend to swing a bit more negative. Yeah. But yeah. I, you know, I understand the need for you know the relationship on a smaller level. So. Yeah, and maybe this is a, this might come across as a little bit of a critique, but maybe just in America, at least, like in our churches small groups or whatever people call them, sometimes we don't place an emphasis on them. They kind of offered like extracurricular activity. Right. And the main metric that a church might measure its success by is like how many people are showing up on a Sunday. Yeah. And and I can preach this at myself because I am not currently part of a, a small group that meets on a regular basis. I was in the past we had one that met in our home and I can tell you there's like a difference of meeting with people regular and being in regular relationship and so I just think we we really as the church need to place a greater emphasis on that and maybe that will start to take care of some of these other issues Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel though like if we were really discipling people in a biblical worldview one of the things we would be passing on is that value yeah that that this is how our faith walk is meant to be walked out. That when we come into a relationship with Christ, we're coming into community, and and we need to steward this. And so, I think to some degree, discipleship is another piece of it. You know, even back to theology, back to having relationship with Jesus. Yeah. You know, and then also this value that you're saying, you yeah. know, that we need to have for community. And um, so, I think that's another piece of it is how are we discipling in in the body of Christ in these kind of basic tenets of how to walk out faith together totally and I think like as you read through the the New Testament it becomes clear like a lot of the things we're commanded to do you can't achieve it in 90 minutes on a Sunday it only makes sense <laughs> right yeah. right like or even an hour yeah <laughs> or two right. hours yeah like you actually need to be in a group of people to even just for some of these things to make sense so yeah yeah culturally it's interesting though because I mean everybody has Saturday and Sunday off so like to go to a midweek group is a little tougher mm-hmm. like that's just anyways that's yeah. just a like that's just the way our culture, like they have the time on Saturday and Sunday to right. go to church, or we make the time, or it, yeah, right. you know, or or set aside that time. I had one more thought on the peop- the reasons that people might deconstruct, yeah. and I think one of the things we're kind of talking about, like the things the church is not doing well, or the way people aren't engaging well in the church, but I do think that culture does play a big piece in as as culture goes a particular direction, I think part of deconstruction is we're really seeing the places that we are riding the fence. We're really seeing the places where as believers who are called to come out from, we're called to be a separated people to some degree who live in a different way, where the the word says, no longer live like this, now live like this. Especially in the United States, we have had the privilege of the prevailing culture generally supporting our Christian way of living, essentially, right. for, yeah. for a very, very long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we've had the kind of benefit, but not really benefit, we're seeing, <laughs> of riding the fence and kind of having a foot in one place and a foot in the church. And I think one of the reasons we're seeing deconstruction is because we're seeing culture 
deviate from this kind of Judeo-Christian worldview in the United States, and people are having to pick a side, kind of, and they're mm. having to reconcile their their beliefs with, yeah, but this seems right, and we yeah. want to be nice to people, right. and yep. and I still want this, this, and this, because yeah. I'm accustomed to being able to live with a foot in both places. Yeah, I, I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And I, so I have a question based on that. Is it necessarily a bad thing that we're seeing the church in decline? Is this just God's way of cleaning house and saying, okay, up until now you could just kind of... Skate by. Yeah, skate yeah. by. You could kind of get by with this cultural Christianity thing. And now God's kind of cleaning house and he's saying... Um, he's he's forcing people to choose between real authentic faith that costs them something or just going with emotions. And I know that that might sound like cold. I'm not trying to be cold because we're talking about people made in the image of God, but you still have to choose at the end of the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and God's preparing a pure and spotless bride. So how does that work into all of this? I think it'll make the gospel more pure. You know, especially in America, like it'll, or our presentation, it'll, or our presentation <laughs> of it. Yeah, I th- yeah, the presentation has been a big thing because you can yell it all you want, and people aren't going to listen. But um, I think it it'll make it more pure, and it'll refine it. Um, not that the gospel needs refining, like you said, but right. but his people will be yeah. refined, and um, and all we have to do is do what he's called us to, and people will respond. Well, and it's in, it's even in the Bible, you know. I'd rather have you hot or cold, you know. I don't want you to be lukewarm, you know. He's not going to accept that. So it's like, there is something to the fact that okay, you got to choose a side, and you got to you know stay on that side or stand on that side or or leave, because you know I think as Christians that can be something that we can maybe even be more, not necessarily saying hard about, but just may, maybe make that more understood. It's like, hey. We don't want to just, you know, do, oh, you know, we do this. It's really nice and it's really great and it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> That's not the gospel. That's kind of the opposite of it. It's like all these feelings aren't always the warm and fuzzy feelings. It's like, man, there's decisions to make and there's sacrifices to be made for it. And so maybe in that instance, it is good then that the church is losing numbers or declining yeah, and it doesn't mean it's not painful because these are yes. ultimately yeah. sometimes like people we know and love. And so I, I wrestle with that. I do want to see as many people as possible found and have their faith in God. Um, but at the same time, I just I hate the idea that someone could just kind of exist in the church, kind of there, but not all there. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. What is that? That's just a waste of their time. They're not really in it. They don't really believe it. So I'm not there to pronounce judgment on what uh, we can't see people's hearts, but I think maybe God's doing some sifting there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Christianity has always had people in doubt. You know, you see it in the splitting of the congregations and everything. And why, why is deconstruction such a big deal in the last couple of years? I think what we're seeing in the church is actually not unique to the church in some ways. I think a lot of people are just losing trust and faith in institutions in general. So you see that in education, in policing and science and government and even democracy. So all these long held institutions that we've had that people thought were for the good and it's going to make society better and flourishing and more equal for everyone people are now realizing uh, it doesn't always (laughs) produce those results. And so um, they're starting to lose faith and trust. And some some of that is like for good reason. And other times it's, you you see people just doing away with trust totally uh, just because a few things fail Mm -hmm. here and there. And so I just think it's just happening in the church too. Because like you said, it's, we've always had people falling away from the faith or coming up with new doctrine, but I think we're living in a period now where um, people just don't trust institutions or authority figures. And I've always wondered, 
I don't know, Renee, if you can speak to this, if you feel like you're coming against that, like you're pastoring a church and with other people, you're trying to disciple people. But now, now you, we live in an age where people, um, it's, it's highly individual too. So people have, you know, my truth and my beliefs, my worldview. And also they feel like they can just fact check everything. And so it, you have this erosion of trust in anything institutional. People are highly individualistic about everything and they feel like they can build their own truth. So like, how does that, mm-hmm. as a pastor, <laughs> I would imagine it's harder to lead people in a certain direction than it was maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can say that one of the things that, um, is hard for pastors in the season is even the credibility of pastors is being challenged. And so partially because of some of the things we talked about, like some abusive leadership or um, inauthentic leadership or lack of integrity in church leadership, like where we see these scandals and, and things happening in the church. And so that's sad that that happens, but just like you're saying credibility in any authoritative voice like people don't want an authoritative voice in right. their life. Mm-hmm. They want, you know, we we get to create what we want to create. We get to, you know, all these things. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, um, again, I feel like I'm part of a community where we have relationship with one another. So pastoring for me here, um, I feel very much like we are continuing to pursue together the truth of who Jesus is. But I think... Um, the worldview aspect of it feels under attack all the time. I think pastors feel like they should, they're being told they should be saying this, they shouldn't be saying that, they should be saying that, you know, um, you can't say this because that's mean and hateful. You should be saying this because you need to speak the truth. And so I think there's a lot of, of pressure on pastors in that area. And I do think we're coming into a season where, um, we just better recognize we're not going to really be able to make anybody, everybody happy. Mm. And, and we need to just be okay to be committed to truth. Mm. And I think it's, it's simple truth, like going down to the foundations of the gospel and what is true about how we live in Christ. And, um, you know, so yeah, I would say for me, I feel like I have it a little bit easier because again, I feel like we're part of a community that's pursuing together um, but I know it's a challenge for a lot of pastors. Yeah. Well, and nowadays, too, you can find any teaching that supports what you want to believe or what you think is right or right. whatever. It's just with, you know, gosh, you know, almost every church probably going to live stream at some point within the past couple of years and all the churches who had done it already. It's you can find anything to fit your narrative, quote unquote, if you really wanted to. Right. Yeah. I think, too, the other challenge is is that people, or you feel a need to preach reactively right. to these cultural things, you yep. know, and that's just something I, I don't want to do. I want to I preach in response to the gospel and to what the Spirit's doing, um, but I think a lot of pastors and just leaders in general are, are responding reactively to these cultural pressures. And yet I do think we need to have a response, um, but not a reaction to, yeah, right. to those things. Just another thing I've thought of is how deconstruction, when you think about it, it's kind of like a, a privileged thing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Use the P word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, think about like Christians across all centuries and all different kinds of countries. For real. And like people who need food and shelter and clothing and all of that stuff. They actually need Jesus to survive. And here we are in the West. We have all of our basic needs met. We have, you know, food and clothing and shelter. And then we have jobs and then we have relationships. And, um, you know, I'm touching on some of the, uh, is it Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I don't know if you oh, guys have sure. ever. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so like we're, we're like right at the top here in America, like where right. our need is actually about self-actualization and what do I believe and what do I want to become? 
And so I feel like maybe it's like a little bit of a uniquely Western thing. <laughs> For sure. We're just, you know, we say we need Jesus, but physically we'll right. probably be fine if we go to yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what to to say to that, except I, I think that's the thing that all of us need to acknowledge, um, whether you're deconstructing or just viewing it from the outside. Yeah. I mean, because in Iraq and China, you <laughs> you see God in action, you know, as you're fighting for your life and you don't have time to yeah. be like, was this real or was this just, <laughs> you know, my church lying to me or, you know, like, yeah. You have the core doctrine down, and that is what you are preaching to people, and that is what you're believing and living. Yeah, I would say, too, like you're saying, deconstruction is a bit of a luxury yeah. for us that, that we can go, oh, you know, we were just speaking with some missionaries that, that the church supports, and they, um, they're they helping with um, refugees from Afghanistan. They have 64 people, six or eight different families that they're um, trying to take care of that they've gotten out of Afghanistan. And for them, like when they make a decision for Jesus, it, it destroys their life from the standpoint of many of them can no longer be with their family because their family will harm them or, you know, all of, all of these different aspects. And they don't have the luxury of, of going, do I feel like this today? You know, they, yeah. they've made a decision. They're all in. And so I would agree it is a little bit of a, a privilege that we have. And I feel like even this time that we're in is a little bit of preparation. I don't know that we can say we're always going to have that privilege mm. or that, that luxury of yeah. kind of vacillating or being on two sides of the fence. And so I do think that there's there's a strengthening that's being built into the church, even as people walk through the process of kind of sorting out what do I believe and what I don't believe, and you know what what am I willing to risk my life for? Right, you know, yeah. is kind yeah. of what other people are looking at, not just yeah. like what's my preference. Yeah, yeah. And again, for people listening, I I don't want to make it sound like you're really privileged, so you shouldn't ask questions look at these right. people on the other side of the world um, the goal is not to like shut down conversation it's just to bring some perspective to it yeah it's good sure. church bear any responsibility for people having weak foundations or theology that can be so easily dismantled yes absolutely and no <laughs> and no oh, yes okay. and no ooh <laughs> if, a caveat right um if someone's preaching just nonsense whatever hopefully that church has a little leadership built in where they can go to the pastor and whatnot and say um, what, what does your Bible say about this? But then to, um, I think there's something to be said about knowing the Bible for yourself and mm-hmm. just not taking somebody's word at it and actually, you know, going back and looking, you know, you take notes, you have, you know, there's churches that have the cards and they has the three points and you take the notes and maybe you go back and say, Oh, they use this a little bit out of context. I think there's a lot to be said where it's like, you need to know what what you're being fed and understand that um, obviously the person who is teaching is human and may you know make mistakes and misinterpret whatever. But it's ultimately your job to understand that they're not in charge of my my personal relationship. Mm. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I think we shouldn't diminish the formative process of like growing up in a church environment for a long period of time. So it's not just like some wacky theology here in a sermon or whatever. Um, churches can place like an emphasis on different things um, and that can shape and form you and build 
your foundations, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so if you're, if you, if you grow up in a church where, um, maybe they tick all the boxes in their statement of faith, but in reality, people are kind of treated like a commodity and everything's run as programs and people are just volunteers to achieve a means to an end (laughs) to get more people in the door. Then in some ways, like your whole faith journey has been about like, how do I build this church? <laughs> right. And I've, I'm just saying that because I've, I've heard a few stories. I'm not saying this is everyone, um, but I've heard a few stories where like that's people's whole existence of faith and they, they never like had anything that was a little bit firmer than that. Um, is like I mentioned earlier, their, their church culture and their faith were interwoven to where when they gave up on one, they gave up on it all. Right. So I think, yeah, in that sense, the church does bear some responsibility. I think, too, one of the places that the church can have um, some, could impact things in a better way, um, would just be that we haven't necessarily valued those foundations or those theological um, stance or because we've been really enamored with the new revelation and the shiny things mm-hmm. and the presenting it in a different way. And, um, and so I think that, that there is a little bit of a departure from, you know, I'm, I'm amazed even in this deconstruction process, it's not even that people are getting false teaching. They don't have enough teaching or understanding of just basic core tenets of, of biblical worldview or, um, you know, how we walk out faith, um, as believers. And so part of it is because I think the church has looked for the next greatest thing, or we've focused on this aspect of the revelation rather than recognizing, yeah, that's something that's come out of these core doctrines. We've kind of focused them as a core doctrine, and so, I mean, I think even unity among the church is going to be restored when we return to some of these core tenets of, yeah. of Christian faith. And so I'm really seeing, even in this process of deconstruction, I'm seeing churches returning to just those simple aspects of the gospel and making sure we're all really solid in those things. And that'll actually bring unity because we don't have all these specializing churches that are specializing in particular doctrines, but rather we're kind of united around some of these core values that we can all share. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up like just here, always hearing like, we're waiting for revival. We're waiting for revival, you know, and like when revival comes, that's, that's the pinnacle, you know? And like, I, I appreciate revival. Like I'm so thankful um, for what God does and everything, but but that was like a core doctrine almost, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're always waiting for like that, that moment. Mm-hmm. And yet like true revival is new life in the right. realities of these, you know, it's not necessarily a new thing or a new experience. Right. True revival is, is reviving the reality of who Christ is and what it means in our lives and, right. you know, that kind of a worldview even. Right. And like you were saying, like, there wasn't enough teaching on that. Like, it it was always, or maybe, like, as a kid, I was just like, oh, it's this, I don't know, this movement that's mm-hmm. new, you know. But how can we come alongside people who are um, in the midst of doubt and deconstruction? How we, How can we come alongside of them? while keeping to the core of the gospel um, and yet loving them through all of their doubt? Um, hmm. Maybe one thing that would be helpful to not do is to say things like, oh, you can't ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Don't let them hear you ask that. They won't let you back in. Yeah. Are you even saved? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we laugh about it, but there's this some yeah. churches that will, if they don't say that explicitly, they'll kind of like demote you out mm-hmm. of like a position of serving. So I know of a guy 
I don't know him real well, but he was like, um, he had like, he had like a radical conversion experience in a church service and just basically got thrust into church leadership and, um, not church leadership, but like worship leading. And it was genuine. Like I had conversations with him in the early years and like, it was authentic. Like there was something real there. Uh, a couple years later, he went to his pastor and he just said, look, I just feel like all of this happened so fast and now I just have some questions. I'm wrestling mm-hmm. with them. I'd just maybe like to take a few months off from worship and even just being in this environment because I don't feel like I can think straight. And the pastor basically just didn't even look at him and just said, well, sounds like you made your decision. See ya. Wow. And that destroyed him. Like he's, he just left the faith completely. So I have a heart for those kind of people. And, um, I think, man, we could do so much to just like keep people in rather than pushing them out. Now for sure, like some people, will come to beliefs and things where it just doesn't make sense for them to be in that community. I'm not saying we just keep everyone in. You can believe what you want. But for people that are going through the process, I think my heart anyway is that they just stay involved and stay in community Mm -hmm. and that we be okay with all of their questions, even if we don't have answers for them. And... Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I would say caveat to that is if they are disrupting the rest of the church. Mm. So like if they're like questions are totally fine, but if they're bringing destructive behavior to the rest of the church or talking to other people, about, you know, and just saying, oh, well, did they say that? Like, is that really, you know, yeah. like in a in a destructive way instead of like in a genuinely questioning way mm-hmm. um like that's one caveat to like where it's you need to be a little bit careful about that like as church leadership but um yeah I totally agree like just walking with them through it and even like the questions about core doctrine like why do we believe this I Christians like myself included need to get clear on like why we believe what we believe so we can walk through that with people and like share with them, well, this is, this is actually why, and this is how, you know, this came to be and just be really clear about where, why we believe what we believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the mitigating factor for, you know, kind of the destructive, you know, somebody kind of making a mess with is actually providing places to have those conversations. That's really good. So someone could even constructively have some things that they're sorting out, but if there's really no place for that to happen and to have discussion and um, to process through it, um, you know, there's almost no space that it wouldn't be. They'll start an Instagram account. Yeah, or whatever it is. So so I think providing those, to have those discussions is really healthy. and letting those questions be asked. And yet I think the other piece is really encouraging, like people that are walking through that, encouraging them to walk through it with Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and and to not, not be like, I don't think Instagram should be your main source of information while you're deconstructing or, right. you know, yeah. or even for me, I've been walking alongside people where I go, I can't even be your main source. Like yeah. I'm happy to answer what I know or what I've walked through or what I've, you know, here's what I see in scripture, but ultimately like trust that they can hear Holy Spirit and, you know, and lead them to um, really leaning into Holy Spirit, asking, asking the Lord those questions and letting him reveal those things. Um, so I think mm-hmm. like definitely making a space for the questions to be had um, but I think there is that aspect of, are we asking the right people those questions? Right. Or, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a good point you raise about social media because I don't know. I generally think of myself as someone who's like very sympathetic towards people going through deconstruction. And I, I probably have a lot more patience for things they might say or do or wrestle with than 
lot of people, I'm not elevating myself. I'm just, <laughs> just saying some people yeah. would, would feel threatened by some things. And I, I don't know, for whatever the reason, God's given me a heart for, for people that have even like just walked away completely and they were Christians at one time. Mm-hmm. But having said that, one concern that I really do have is um, social media influences who suddenly take it upon themselves to start discipling people through deconstruction. Yeah. Right. Like who appointed you right. <laughs> as like a trusted authority figure to help other people through their process. Yeah. And I, I think it's really damaging. And yeah, I go back to what I said before. I think you just have to work this out in relationship with people, yeah. you know, and trust mm-hmm. and with the Holy Spirit. But that means like, we have to be people that give space for those questions yeah. so that mm-hmm. because there's some people probably that don't have a place at all to, you know, so in our own communities, as people are processing through some things, um, if we make it taboo, yeah, you know, the only place they can go is somewhere else to, to work that through. So I would agree just, you know, choosing to do that in relationship and then choosing to, be the person that can stay in relationship as people are processing things. Yeah. I mean, like of all the deconstructionists that I've seen, um, like in my personal life and just online and everything, like it almost always leads to denial of Christ. And why, why is that? Like, is it because they're not in relationship or um, are they not, building on a firm foundation or like what, why, why is that? And that's why I think of deconstruction as like denial of Christ, because that's really all that I've seen. Yeah. I, I don't want to be that guy, but you know, like in debates, there'll be that guy that says, I disagree with the premise of the question. <laughs> you wrote the question. Did I? Wait, or did no, I? You wrote the question. Did I write the yeah. question? I think this is just, uh, has an that issue. not been your experience? Yeah, it, this is just an issue of experience and relationship. I don't think we can measure these things scientifically. Mm. Right. Um, and maybe, uh, I don't remember who said it earlier, but um, the the real outward breakdown of faith, like the really visible stuff is is what gets people's attention. And I don't think we see the internal wrestling that people have that we might call the construction too. So I think it's just, I don't know if that answers your question or not. I just think it's, it's a lot more complicated and I always just want to give space for, for people who are wrestling and actually allow them to wrestle out loud. So they don't go further into that outright denial. So maybe a better way to phrase the question would be, you know, when or what are the what leads to deconstruction kind of having an end result of denial yeah of christ and so i would think when it's offense based when when it comes from a place of i i am offended and so i need to justify this offense i need to justify or even you know, I no longer, I don't want to play this way anymore. And so I'm going to justify why, why I'm not going to, you know, walk in this. Yeah. Um, I think if that's the, if that deconstruction is coming from a place of offense, it's more likely to lead to a departure from, you know, a family of faith or, Mm. you know, from walking with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that a lot. Um, the basic argument of I could never believe in a God who allows this or that. Right. And mm-hmm. I just think I get it. I get what you're saying, but if he's God and we're not, and our view is blurry and limited and we're fallen, like who wouldn't admit that we're not fallen? Like we right. have issues. So who are we to like yeah. ultimately decide that God isn't just a fair. Right. And yeah, I, that's probably where I'd kind of draw a hard line and say, okay, you, at that point you're maybe deciding that you want to be God rather than God. Right. right. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez. Yeah. You make well, the, yeah. Well, it's like too, what's, you know, the, 
one of the freedoms that we have is our free will, is our choice. So it's like, well, I, I, you know, when I was younger, I did dumb stuff and I knew I was doing it wrong, but I still made a choice to do something dumb. You know, it's at this point, we probably are like, well, it's not dumb. It's just who I am. It's like, it's well, truth. right, exactly. It's more I'm, enlightened. I'm not, right, yeah. exactly. I'm not saying they're dumb or whatever. It's just, you know, I understood bad choices I made in the moment as I was doing it and I still did it. And it's like, I'm not saying that's, that's what happening to people that are deconstructing, but there definitely are choices that we make that we know, Oh, I don't know how I can come back from this or whatever. And that's, that's the beauty of the, the gospel of the grace that there is that, that choosing and there is that, that free will. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We think about free will a lot in terms of like before coming to Christ, like I'm going to decide to follow Jesus or I'm going to decide to do things my own way. But I wonder if we don't acknowledge the reality that people still, um, I don't know if this is theologically correct or not, but people still have this free will of whether they're going to keep following God or not. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get into the whole Calvinist always. (laughs) I mean, you can reject God. That's, that's on you. Yeah. So it's just a reality. Yeah, for sure. I think too, like if deconstruction leads to the denial of Christ, it's because one or two really important blocks in the foundation of that truth have been pulled out. Yeah. So I think people can deconstruct all, all kinds of things and still stay true to Christ and true, you know, but Ultimately, if it's going to lead to that denial of Christ, it's because there's a belief that's been pulled out of the equation that just no longer supports, you know, and one aspect of that really truly is he says he's the way, the truth and the life. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he's no man comes to the father, but by me. And so there comes this, it's like that there's no other reference for anything else he says if we don't believe his words are truth. And I think that's a piece that, that's just, you know, tends to, if that, if that isn't solid in somebody's life, it's easy then to walk away from it completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or to, I know, I know somebody who was a Christian and then just kind of walked away from the faith and became atheist and then agnostic or vice versa. I haven't talked to him about this personally, but I, I heard him on a podcast and he was talking about how he just couldn't make it all add up in his head. You know, all the extra stuff out there, he just couldn't make it make sense in his head. And it's like, that's where you have faith. I right. can't I can't ever make it make sense in my head, but right. I know that there's there's too many little tiny coincidences for it to work. It's like, no, it's just it's faith at that point. There's no yeah. way I can make it work. The math doesn't work for me, and I understand that, but that's where faith comes in and just takes yeah. over. And it's it's not just like a, a blind faith, like, okay, right. I just have to take this jump. Yeah. There actually is a work of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this from testimonies from atheists who became Christians. They'll say something like, I don't know how or I don't know why, but Jesus revealed himself to me, and it was the only thing that made sense. Sure. And I still can't explain that with all of my other knowledge, and that they'll still stay in the professions that they were, maybe in science or academia. So they're they're in these spaces that are um, full of other atheists, and and they get along with those atheists. But um, I guess what I'm saying is they don't check their brain at the door, but they allow room for something else, yeah, someone mm-hmm. else to come in. I think it's like Bonhoeffer who says, without obedience, you can't have faith. So you have to take that first step of obedience. Mm-hmm. And that, and in order to obey, you have to have faith too. Like they work together. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Well. We hope that this will lead to fruitful conversations in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with the latest and to join in the conversation surrounding faith and culture, follow us on Instagram at Thinking Well Podcast.
Thinking Well is a production of Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information about Living Waters, visit livingwatersmn.org.